Hi all, and welcome back. We are Highly Invested, a podcast centered around reading and rereading Brandon Sanderson's ever-expanding Cosmere series. My name is Dappert, and I am joined once again by the two people who have been with us on this journey the entire time, Richie and Betsy. Yo. Hello, guys. Hey, How you doing? Good, good. Good weeks, good weeks. How How are we? How are we? Definitely good week. Definitely a good week because the three of us were in Florida together. And not That's only true. were we in Florida together, we were at Disney World. <laughs> yeah. We went to Disney World. That was a we blast. Did. That was so much fun. I feel like that's the sign of true friendship is when you find yourself together at Disney World. No children, time. all yeah. of us, 10 of us. As adults. <laughs> As adults. No in so Disney. Many of us. And having the time of your life. We did. It's the happiest place on earth. All right. So, what was your favorite rides, Richie? Um, I still think the OGs like Tower of Terror at Hollywood Studios was, was my favorite. But I will say this, dude: the Star Wars one we went on was just so like it felt like I, we were in the movies, and that was the best one for sure. That. I cannot tell you the amount of just satisfaction I got from you admitting something was good revolving around Star Wars. That's guys, we can go now. We we got there. I have We're said finally this more than circle. one time. I like lightsabers and I I like being it felt cool being inside of a movie. Doesn't matter True. if the movie's terrible. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was the, that was the thing I felt like in the Star Wars world and on the Rise of the Resistance ride. Like there were so many moments where I felt like everybody was like in awe. Like it was just so immersive and unbelievable. It was very fun. I mean, walking out of like the the elevator transport thing and just seeing all the like, stormtroopers, an entire there. Yeah. line of stormtroopers with with a video image of like outside into space. It really felt like we were by. on a spaceship, and I thought those stormtroopers were real too, dude. Like it was crazy. And I remember, um, like there was that moment where we all walked into the Millennium Falcon room or whatever, and like everybody gasped. We we're all like, "Whoa, <laughs> we're here." You're like literally on the bridge or the, I should say the mess hall or whatever it is, where there's like the, the chess table thing of the Millennium Falcon. And it's, I mean, uh, to me, as someone who has loved Star Wars since I can remember, it's, it's actually the second time I've been on that ride. It's still amazing. Yeah, no. It's I, still I, incredible. I, you know, I can only imagine what you were feeling because I was feeling awe for this. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, it was very well done. And I'm, yeah. and I'm sorry that Sam couldn't be there. For, yeah. that's, for for all yeah. the listeners, Sam, one of our best friends as well, uh, Sam, Betsy's boyfriend, is one of the biggest Star Wars fans I'll ever know, ever meet. He actually knows like specific parts of spaceships and shit. It's crazy. And so he's going to go. And I actually think that'll be the first time I've ever seen him cry, to be honest. So, <laughs> And you don't know him very well because he cries all the time, <laughs> honestly. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was very nerdy, but it was super immersive and very fun. And I'd agree with Richie. I also think Tower of Terror and Tron were my favorites. Oh, I was going to ask. I know that you enjoyed yeah. the Tron ride afterwards, but which was your favorite, bets? Out of the three? Out of those two, even. I think they're just so different. Like, I'd never done either of those rides before, and I feel like Tower of Terror was our very first one we did together, and we're, like, very so true. excited, and it was... 
so fun and like classic Disney, like the haunted hotel and all that stuff. And then Tron was like the biggest roller coaster I've ever been on. And it was so cool it and like insane. Cool. And it was that very, la- it was the very last ride we did. That's true. Yeah. 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 That was amazing. Um, in, in other, other news, Kremlings, um, Dapper and I recorded uh, the Sunlit Man review. And we did it with... We finally got there. Yeah, we, we did it. And we, we did it with Sunlit Man and Secret Project 4, by the way. And um, we did it with our friend Jake, who was on the podcast. He ranked all the episodes. All the episodes. He ranked all And the wrote books. our intro music. Shout out, Jake. And wrote our Thank intro you again. music. It's amazing. It's amazing. And he uh, got on the podcast with us with our other friend, Joe, who finished all the Cosmere in about five and a half months. Still crazy. Very impressive. He finished all the Cosmere... Two months after we started this no, podcast, he's, he's definitely, he started it. Definitely a super nerd. Finished it in five, five and a half months, and um, has dove into the wobs and all the excerpts that Brandon has ever written. Unfinished works. He is a we. we it was a full nerd session, and it was two hours long. And I have a lot I need to edit yeah. <laughs> because of it. You're, you're we good. were <laughs> I, the things we were saying was so it was just so nerdy like why yeah. are we getting into the logistics of and the engineering of of, of the, a planet when betsy said we were such nerds on the millennium falcon i was like oh betsy <laughs> if you if you listen to this chat yesterday you have joe and jake and me arguing about like mechanics of shit so and how I, things do things <laughs> can i listen to that episode not at all no no it, even though it's like it's it's just full like we're spoiling the book completely. We're spoiling a lot. We literally give we talk a summary about Stormlight of the book. a lot. Yeah. Do you think we'll read it together, even though you already reviewed it? Yes, I do. Of course, we're gonna read all of the Cosmere. It's only gonna take us four or five years, but we're gonna do of it. Of course, Betsy, you get to listen to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: you can listen to this because I'm gonna put it at the end. Um, uh, earlier in an early episode around episode like 17 or 18, I don't remember. I, we were mentioned like our favorite songs or songs we would listen to if we were trapped on an Island. And I said, I would listen to Deacon blues by Steely Dan. Jake did a rendition of Deacon blues, but about sunlit man. And he sent me the audio for it. And I'm going to put it at the end of the episode. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know he went through with it. Yeah, he he did it. Uh, Um, yeah, maybe I'll put it at the beginning for, for you, Bet, so you can hear it. It's the last thing that I had that I wanted to bring up. I've been trying to convince James and Richie to take on another project, <laughs> another side project, and cover the new Netflix series for Avatar The Last Airbender. That's coming out in February. Because I really wasn't excited about it until I watched the trailer. And then I felt extreme excitement about that it. That trailer was really good. And I really liked that. It's a sick trailer. It was so good. And I had, I like, hadn't read or watched anything about this series up to this point because I had no hopes at all. And now I'm so excited for it. I'm like going to start watching this series again from the very beginning. Yeah. Mm. To I'm, get prepped. I'm, no, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm a little worried because Netflix, you know, Netflix really like they loves to cancel shows if it doesn't do True. like Stranger Things numbers. Like they just do like season one and then they just call it. Yeah. Um, well, actually, so this is kind of only relevant for Dapper, but... They Netflix had this series that was actually I thought it was really good that covered Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows, which is a 
um, YA fantasy series that we've both read a book from. Is that about, it's about yeah, pirates. Season two just came out. They just canceled it for season three. And, and See, never, this is what I'm fucking talking about, dude. It was about, really dude. good. Like, yeah, it was it really good. Dude, it doesn't matter if it's good. They just don't care. Like, they're just going to take up projects and cancel. They're going to cancel One Piece. No way they're going to do a thousand episodes of that, right? Well, I mean, yeah. it's a different thing <laughs> than what, you, than no, what they're doing. Wait, they canceled annoying. that? Like, I, I like the show better than the book. Other yeah, than Six of like Crows, so I like the book better. And I think like the author and a lot of the actors are really sad about it. So, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see if they even finish Avatar. I I literally doubt it, but we'll see. I'm excited for it anyway because you know what? There's only 3 seasons of like 40 episodes each. Um that are and they're really good. So, I I hope it's going to be a great show. The movie sucked. But I'm you I'm all in on the show. There is no movie me. in Bossing Set. I saw that yes, movie Betsy. in theaters. No, I, I saw the no. M Night Shyamalan Avatar movie in the movie theater. You you're entitled to financial compensation. I, <laughs> like that's, that's true. how much of a fan. <laughs> I am. You're entitled to financial compensation. Uh, you know, no Not matter, just for the ticket of the movie, if you were but a for the emotional distress. Avatar in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> the emotional distress that it caused you, Betsy, means you're entitled to a payout from M. Night Shyamalan. That would be great. But, you know, despite whatever these streaming services can do to us, we'll always have Brandon Sanderson and books. Hell yes, yeah. we do. He's never going to stop. And we're, and we're, never going to die. And we're diving into some meaty uh, chapters. <laughs> I know you hate when I say that. <laughs> I don't love it. Don't love it. Um, <laughs> to the Kremlings, uh, Betsy's audio might be a little bit grainy. Uh, she she forgot her microphone, and she's away visiting family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so man. bear with us. Um, and then over the Thanksgiving holiday, maybe I'll, we will drop Sunlit Man. And then back to our mm. regular schedule, which is like two more episodes. Which is the end of uh, The Way of Kings and yeah. the start of whichever book we agree to do next. Very um, excited. Very but excited. Uh, let's not jump that far ahead. We got a few things to finish here. Some, as uh, Richie said, I'm not going to say the word, but crazy chapters to talk about. Needy. And today we, will, <laughs> today we will be discussing chapters <laughs> 70, 71, and 72 of The Way of Kings. And as always, this podcast will be divided into a spoiler section and a non-spoiler section for listeners reading the Cosmere novels for the first time. And let's not pause, I think. Let's get into it. At my job, there's this one guy who always says chunky, and it Ugh. is horrible. How, how is he forcing the word chunky into so many different types of conversations? <laughs> it's like like when you would That's say meaty. Question. Or like, he's like, oh, like a really, I don't know. It, he works it in a lot. <laughs> He's clearly <laughs> forcing it. That is ridiculous. He definitely has a bet going on somewhere. Yeah, how many times can you say chunky in a year? <laughs> it's a real chunky Wednesday. It's kind of cold. Oh, yeah. It's like, what, dude? <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Chapter 70, Sea of Glass. After what feels like years, we finally rejoin Shallon in her hospital bed, totally alone and still struggling to reconcile what she has done. She replays the poisoning in her head over and over and over again, but she can't get past one key piece of information. Yasna ate the bread too, but didn't get poisoned. She examines her drawings and even recreates the scene where Yasna ate the bread, 
but it keeps looking as if the bread is melting when Yasna eats it. Committed to uncovering the truth and absolutely fearless, Shallon jumps out of bed and makes her way to the Palineum. Knowing she has nothing to lose, she confidently stalks up to Yasna to demand an explanation. In doing so, she recognizes more and more the secret behind Yasna's immunity to the poison. She never ate it, because she soulcasts the bread and the jam before trying it without the soulcaster. She never had trusted Capsule. Confronting Yasna with this, Shallon insists that Yasna explain herself, but Yasna just deflects. So Shallon pulls out her trump card, and she asks the floating squiggly head things to transport her to the place she first saw that sea of glass beads. They tell her she can do it, but must have a truth first. And Shallon admits, then and there, that she is a murderer, and she killed her father. Instantly, she is in this other world, sinking into the sea of glass. Suddenly, Yasna is there and saves Shallon's life, calling her a fool the whole time. And finally, Shallon asks again that Yasna keep her on as her ward and teach her everything that she knows. Because finally, Yasna has someone who she doesn't have to lie to. Yasna accepts as long as Shallon agrees to never lie to her and to never steal again. And the two of them dive into the topic always on Yasna's mind, the Voidbringers. Wow, uh, we get a we get a lot in this chapter, um, and you know I think I wanted to start it with being so happy to see Shallon really finally take control over what was happening to her. She always was fighting about this plan she had and whether or not she wanted to do it or if she just wanted to hang out and learn. And I felt like this was the first time where she went, you know what? Screw it! I have nothing to lose. I'm going to do what I want. And she left the room and chased Chiasna. And that, that, that was awesome for me. Really full character development circle. Yeah. And, and a big reveal here. Um, Betsy, what were your thoughts reading this chapter? I know. I'm glad that you opened this chapter with us like praising Shalon for taking initiative because it's very true. But my first reaction was just going to be like, Shalon, what? <laughs> like, that were to, be- to which part? to her admitting that she murdered her father yeah like that's a crazy reveal um and through these three chapters there's crazy reveal after crazy reveal and there's other crazy reveals in this chapter but that was like the key moment where i was like wait Back up a second, and we keep going. <laughs> yeah, we keep that's going not a even million miles. Not, that's not even the main point of what she was doing. She was trying no. to do something else, and just had to get that one out of the way because for some reason, the, th- the creature that she was talking to. We can talk about it in the later chapters. The creature she's talking to says, "You must give me a truth first, a powerful truth." Right. So that was like the thing that stuck in my mind because that was crazy. But just yeah, backing up a little bit. We, I think it's Shalon's last-ditch effort to kind of, she's got nothing to lose. This is what she really wants. She's being completely honest with herself and others for the first time. Um, and also, she kind of has put the pieces together. And so she's facing Jasna with what she knows. And I think she's proving herself to Jasna that she's smart and capable. She's figured this out. And also that She's just like Jasna. Yeah. More more ways than one. A huge connection here um, to everything. We learn that Yasna does not need a soul caster to do the things she does. 
which means absolutely crazy that in fact we learned it was a fake the entire time yasna murdered those men in the alleyway using her own abilities Yep, no soul caster needed. And you know, I love how when she's deflecting, she's like, oh, you got it right, kid. Right. I, I got a lot of fakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was that moment. And then there was also the gaslight moment where she's like, you're just crazy. You're yeah. tired. Yeah. <laughs> and, no. she, and then I love Shalon's like, like, could a tired person do this? And then she, like, dives into the sea of beads. <laughs> Literally, like, almost killing herself. Again. Literally, yeah. <laughs> just to prove a point. Yasna yeah, doesn't even break stride and just still, like, gives Shallon a lot of shit. What an, <laughs> what an jumping epic into sea, it. Uh, scene when you think about it. Because Shallon falls into the sea of beads and is basically, like, drowning. And the parts with Yasna just appearing, floating on a section of it that Shalon imagines was commanded by her to stay together. So she's floating on a, a section of the beads and just like grabs her and goes, stupid girl. Like it's a, it's a pretty awesome reveal. I know. I love the image of the sea of beads. I feel like in my head, it looks both really like beautiful and cool, but also like very scary at the same time. Mm. And that idea of like, She's trying to scream, but like her mouth's filling with the beads and all that stuff sounds so scary. But also claustrophobic. that image of the fact, just the fact that even though they've kind of both done horrible things, like Jocelyn's murdered those men, which spurred Shalon on to steal the Soulcaster, like they really need each other and I think still want to help each other. And that was kind of like reflected in that moment yeah yeah i feel like yasna just wanted a reason to bring shallon back like she was like okay i can't keep you you stole from me you know you can't be my ward anymore and then shallon gives her a really good reason and so yasna's like all right yep you're back happy to have you and i i, I don't think she wanted to send shallon away that badly in the first place she was obviously no, pissed dude, that moment can't argue no, of with course that. That, i mean like the betrayal i know yasna doesn't express it but it, it really hurt her like when she gave mm-hmm. Shallon that book of endless pages, you could tell how important it meant to her. The, in fact, she le- she left it with Shallon. Yeah, she let her keep it. She stood by that decision because it really meant something to give that to her. Um, so she's clearly hurt by the betrayal. And the way she responds to Shallon, it's not like a cold, like indifference. It is. It she responds to somebody who was like hurt. You know. Yeah. Just don't make me call the soldiers. Yeah. You know you're not welcome here. It's all a front. Right, it's a front mm-hmm. to, to appear stronger than you are at that moment. Yeah. And to be fair, she's been putting on a front for a long because time. Because she's a fucking princess, right? She could just yeah. have Shallon killed for any reason. Like any we're reason. in like a weird medieval but also futuristic place here in in Rojar. Like she could just have them kill her killed. She clearly doesn't mm-hmm. want to. And you know we won't see it yet, but yeah, she definitely could as a princess as royalty, but. Not only that has she been putting on the front, but she, Shallon called it right, has to lie all of the time. She can soul cast without a soul caster. She can control this sea of beads somehow. So she's been putting on a front for a long, long time. And she time. says that to her knowledge, she's the only one who can do that. So that's a huge reveal to Jasna as well. And I loved that moment where Shallan shows her the image and she's like so flabbergasted by it. Like she can't figure out how she could possibly have that. Um, and another interesting thing, like I can't remember if we've seen this before, but 
when Shalon is talking to the creatures and like calling on them to give her the power and they're asking for a truth in exchange. I think that's the first time in this book we've seen that. Like, I can't remember her ever interacting, really, with these creatures. Like, they're speaking to her, and she's working with them. This is definitely the first time. I think that she she heard them speak to her once when when one of them asked, what are you, or who are you, or something Mm -hmm. like that. But this is the first time where I think she put it together that there's a connection with these creatures with going into the sea of glass with turning the goblet into blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and wait, so that was the other question I had, and this could just also be me being not remembering things well, but Josna calls the place that they go Shadesmar. Excellent pickup, th- yep. And we, I went back in the book and that word is only used one other time, and it's in the interlude with Garanid on the island. Yeah. But I remember when we recorded the episode, we made that connection in the episode. We did. We, we said, we think that's the place that Shalon went to, I think. Right. Excellent. Well, excellent, excellent connection, Bets, because um, they mention it in the interlude, and it is also the title of the chapter where Shallon um, right, enters, right. enters that place. It's the title of the chapter. Yeah. So Got it, it was. It. It's kind of like it's kind of a hint to us before. But my question out of that was, my first reaction to reading that in this chapter was, if Shadesmar is a commonly known thing about Spren. Or is it weird that those two ardents knew what it was? I think it's I think it's weird that they know what it was. Okay, but that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you? Because Jocelyn is saying that she is the only one. I think she should be able to access this place. I think it's probably weird that the ardents know what that is. Yeah, I would I would agree. I would agree for sure. I, I would say that they're not, they're definitely not the only ones, but it's just like a higher awareness for sure than, than, than normal. What you would than expect. what you would expect. Yeah. But, but great, great, I think great we're connection. Towing a line. That's great, so, great connection. Yeah. <laughs> and great idea to search. Did you search it on your phone? Like the, the name? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was Hell that's yeah, pretty, <laughs> this is pretty smart. It's very smart. Hell yeah, Bets. Yeah. That's smart. Don't do that for a lot of other stuff. Um, <laughs> Don't do that. The book's over. Yeah, like. the book's over. <laughs> Done. <laughs> well, we do get a pretty crazy reveal at the end on top of another crazy reveal, which isn't just that Yasna is studying the Voidbringers, but that she's doing it knowing exactly why and what she's trying to do. And obviously we're left a bit on a cliffhanger for a later chapter about the Voidbringers part. But if you remember when Shallon was getting that sneaky look at Yasna's notes... She was like, what the hell? It's all about the Voidbringers and the Radiance. And like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would she research this? And and we're finally getting to know why. But next chapter. Yeah. Uh, did you guys have anything else for, th- for this one? I think the last thing I'll just say, I really loved this line. This is my favorite line of this set of chapters is when Shalon says, I can be someone you don't have to lie to. You convinced me that truth was not as simple as 
I thought it. You opened a box full of storms in me. I made a mistake. I'll make more. I need you. That was really good. It's so a very good, good line. Also, the, very like, good the reference to Storm, too. Good stuff. The references to Storms, the fact that Shallon needed the Stormlight in the sphere to do what she did, and that Yasna criticized her for using such a little amount by going there. All of it seems to be coming together, and it's very interesting. I could see Betsy thinking. I saw those eyes go like, wait. <laughs> Did, what'd you, what you what what? <laughs> I just feel like it was very honest, and it was just that moment of being like, I just love that idea of I'm. She's made a huge mistake. She knows she'll make more, and that's why they need each other. And and, and to excellent point because the theme of that chapter is honesty, right? Because in order Heck to yeah. in order to do what she does, she has to admit something to that creature and to herself. And then something true. that is crazy. Yeah. She murdered her father. I know. And I I feel like we've talked so much about this. Like I know there's been moments in prior chapters where she's mentioned We know that the father was dead this whole time. I know, but I remember there were other moments where she mentioned some like thing in her past that we didn't know what it was. And I can't remember right now like all of those instances, but yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Still a lot to learn about Shallon in her past, for sure. I'm good on this chapter. Rich, anything for you? No, no, I'm good. Let's, let's All right, take us into 71. Chapter 71, recorded in blood. We find Seth's son, son, Villano, truthless of Shinovar, in Carbranth, the city of Bells, for the first time. His mission, to kill the king, Taravangian. For this particular mission, he is ordered not to kill anyone else and to kill the king as quietly as possible. But before that, he must deliver a message and ensure that it is is received before he can do it. He lashes down from the bathroom after cutting out a chunky piece of rock and takes out two guards before entering Taravangian's room. As he walks in, he delivers the message. The others are dead. I've come to finish the job. It is revealed in this moment that Taravangian is the true owner of Seth's Oath Stone, and he was the one who had Seth kill so many of Roshar's leaders to create chaos. He leads Seth down a stairway to a secret room containing hundreds of beds of the sick and infirm, a hospital beneath the ground. Rather than helping the patients, they are slowly draining the blood from them. The horror of it hits Seth, and Taravangian says that they do this only to the sickest people, but they do occasionally pull in others who won't be missed. It is at this moment that Taravangian tells Seth that he has another target. Dalinar Colin must be eliminated. What a chapter. Betsy, how are like, you, what were your thoughts on this reveal? Yeah, Betsy, I know I want you to start. I have so many things to say about this chapter. Like actually <laughs> so many. So 
Um, to I the, don't know where to start. To the but... Kremlings, Betsy definitely texted us right after finishing this chapter. Freaking, oh, immediately. Freaking <laughs> the hell out. I have so many things to say about this chapter, but just for the main reveal, I can't believe that Taravangian, who was known as the kindest king who ran a hospital, is actually a murder king who runs a murder hospital, a cursed <laughs> hospital. <laughs> for real. And, and, really, though. And what is interesting is that there is remorse in his eyes. It, And he says to Seth, you know, I carry these sins with me as well, or something uh, along the sort, where he carries the burden of what he does. And mm-hmm. and he, he's the one who's performing these actions. He believes this for something, clearly, better or greater. But Taravangian is a fucking villain. Yeah, and this reveal he's a is bad sick. dude. That he's was a it bad was crazy, guy. and I did not see that coming. Not that I was expecting any of this to be coming, but they definitely set him up well. Where I believed that he was he an was old, feeble like man, the like nice king character. Yeah, not all there. I mean, think back to the like dinner or lunch that Shallon and Yasna had with him. He's like, Shallon, will you draw a painting of me, please? And, and this entire time, he's been murdering people. And he's known below throughout this world. He's known throughout the world. Carbrand, at least, is known as the place people go to to heal. Yeah, right? to be take healed. Anybody. They'll yeah. take anyone. Is what they're known for. They can go, and and in a way, it's true. But if you're beyond saving, or if you are homeless or can be forgotten very easily you're taken to another hospital a different one a little different yeah that is so wild and so he's draining their blood he's actively slowly killing them which makes me question the remorse situation but we'll circle back to that in the context of zeth in a second because i have a new theory but but we need to stay on this train because there's something yeah, else we need to connect it to. Yeah, let's stay on this train. Yeah. Um, and so he's draining their blood because he wants to hear their final words. Right. And I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't write it down. It's been happening since Gavilar died. Seven years ago. Anyone who it. dies has been like saying these mysterious, cryptic words. And right. he's trying to collect them. And he has been collecting them. We've been reading them in the epigraphs throughout the entire book. Thank you, Rich. Book. Yep, the entire book. Every time you've seen an epigraph, that was the note taker taking the notes of people who were dying and saying those cryptic words. You'll see that they say, spoken by a dark-eyed woman three seconds before death, or spoken by this 30 seconds before death. We've been seeing these notes throughout the entire book, which is crazy. What We're does it mean? Not, not, the only, <laughs> not the only epigraph. We also got Yasna's notes on the Voidbringers at a little bit earlier in the book as part of the epigraphs. But the rest have all been Taravangian trying to see. And you know what was weird future? too is that I feel like a lot of the language he was using about why he's doing this reminded me a lot of Dalinar. Like he sounds like Dalinar, but he sounds like Dalinar gone wrong. Like, evil Dalinar. <laughs> evil Dalinar. And that's why, I, I mean, I'm trying so hard not to jump around, but that's why I was so confused on why he wants to kill Dalinar. I'm incredibly confused. <laughs> this is just a crazy... It, this, you're, we're about as stunned as Seth is at this moment, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
it, it's crazy. I remember vividly the first time I read this and I was like, what on earth is happening? Because think back to when Death gets there. He's like, he literally holds out his hand to pull out a shard blade because he just thinks he's there to kill this king. And you find out that not only has Teravangian been sending Zeth to kill all these princes and kings and lords and leaders, but some of them were his friends. Yeah. He's just trying to cause pure, chaos. Pure villain yeah, he says, moment. sometimes you must ta- tear down a structure in order to build a new one. We are going to need strong walls in the coming years. And that's his reasoning for why he's willing to take down like even his closest friends in power. Right. It, it sounds like Dalinar. Yes. It's a great connection, Bets, honestly. Um but we don't know we don't know what he's trying to do here. But we know that something he believes something is coming and he knows that when somebody's on their deathbed, um, they start to say cryptic things because they're because he says that they're on the bridge between life and death. Oh, the other thing so I wrote a lot of quotes down. So the quote for that was, his eyes grew distant. It, it is coming and these people see it. On that bridge between life and the endless ocean of death, they view something. Their words might save us. And not to get so English majory on it, but the their words might save us. I feel like it's like their words compared to the words and like whose words will save us? Yes, is it the Radiance words? Is it these people's words? Like what what are the words here? No, it's a really good Rafa. connection, dude. Really good connection. The thing is, Richie, we're also getting to the point where, especially because I just did a little bit of that, um, we might have to Rafo some things that Betsy may ask about for the next book. Yeah. And then I have other things I want to talk about. What do you guys want to talk about? Uh, I mean, like, um, first of all, that there were children there, which is just depressing, oh. right? Like, there were literally children that he was draining. I think that one of the quotes we got was from um, a, a small boy who was dying. Another one I have here is just poor Seth. Just, my God, this this guy is suffering. I'm, like, still interested to know what compels him, what binds him so strongly right that he can't just kill a Taravangian right now yeah well, that, I loved that line is that what you want to bring up that's when he no what line are like, you talking about Zeth I, I don't have it in front of me but he basically he's like holy crap this is terrible and he almost takes out his shard blade and just kills Taravangian but honor stops him for now is what, yeah, literally the quote that's what I wanted to talk about so I, when I read this chapter, I felt like I was trying to think about everything I knew about Seth. And this is such a big book, as I've said before. And so it's very murky, all the things I've learned about him so far. So do we know up till this point how he got his shard, bl- shard blade and who first commanded him to kill using the Oath Stone? Because he says he got the shard blade from his people, but I couldn't remember if we know the more backstory than that as like how he ended up in this situation. No, I don't think we do. I don't think we do. We know he got him from his people, and we know that the Oath Stone was given to a merchant um, who we saw in an interlude. And then but that, we don't know any context of like why he's bound to it. No. All we know is that he calls himself truthless. 
and that. That's it. Because I remember in the past, you guys have been kind of weird about asking me questions about whether Zeth is compelled to do this or not. And up until this point, I've always felt that he's bound to do it by the Oath Stone, by some kind of magic property or something. But this chapter made me think he might not be physically or magically bound to do it, mm-hmm. but maybe just honor bound, yeah. which cha- I feel like changes things completely, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a good way to think about it. And if that is the case, it's just like, dude, just, just do it anyway. Like, just stop, you know, like... If it's magic, then I, that makes sense. Um, but it's a it's a it's a great way to be thinking about it. Well, think about the the things that uh, Teravangian kind of says right then and there. Is it better for one man to sin to save an entire people? And that's kind of what I guess this is a little bit with Zeth. If it's not magic bound, if it's honor bound, if he broke his oath and sinned and killed Teravangian, could he save all those people? Yeah. Another thing we can bring up is that when we did get to an interlude where a merchant was trading with Shin people, the farmers were considered basically like the highest level of that system. And the warriors, the fighters, were considered the lowest, right? I don't know if you remember that, but their their, their, system, yeah, their, their class system was really weird. Clearly, like, something happened with Seth, and this is below even warrior. This is compelled only to kill and based on the Shin culture, this seems to be the lowest you can go, but um, which is just pure, just murder, right? Whereas they value farming and creating as the highest. So it is a punishment, clearly, for something, but we don't know why. But 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 fuck, dude! If this is a punishment, you're punishing the whole world, you know, by unleashing this man. Yeah, I I feel like I have more questions now about. What's going on there in Seth's motives? I don't think we have the answers, but I still think that he has the best lines of this entire book. Yeah. I said that back in my favorite chapter where he, apparently we first meet Teravangian as his master, that interlude chapter that was so good. But I loved that line where um, he's talking to Teravangian about why he uses Zeth to do his killing. And he says, is it to bloody myself so you don't have to? Sounds like something the Voran gods would do. He even kind of, yeah. It's, and, you know, Teravangian's like, oh, God, this guy. And I know, he didn't even have a comeback to that. He was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he call him, though? The life brother? A light, what, it's the Voran god he's talking about? Mm-hmm. No, sorry, that's just that's a Teravangian thing. It is a Voran god. I just I can't remember which one. If also, the it. fact that I, it's kind of implied that the Bridgemen maybe could have ended up here. I feel like when they when he says, like, or this is how I took it, when he says that they take people who are sick and then the lowest of society society who won't be missed my first thought was like Caledon and the bridge crew certainly if they were if they were in the area i believe that they absolutely would have yeah. been taken for sure probably well what was it it was it maps somebody had so, so one a, of the bridgemen uh, was on their desk when they died and said they said, they spoke this prophetic thing yeah 
very smart of Tanner Vanjian, though, to put his own name on the list and have specific instructions, and he had to say something to him and had to be, like, confirmed before Seth got, got through the kill. Like, it's basically a fail-safe because Seth is such a powerful murder weapon that he was, like, worried that Seth would just come in slashing and killing him. I know, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what if he just came in and just killed him and, like, ruined this whole thing? Yeah. (laughs) So smart of him to be like, you have to say this to the person, they have to respond before. And Seth even goes, did you hear me, dude? Yeah, (laughs) he hesitates. Like, if he hadn't hesitated. He hesitated, and he's like, wait, did he? Did he acknowledge me? And he even calls him by his name. That was when that was when I got chills All, when Teravangian calls him Zeth. Also put, son, put son his Solana. own name on the list just in case um, Seth was caught halfway through these murders and they, can, they they get the list from him. They'll see Teravangian on there and, and not think that he was one of the people. Yeah. Very Wait, smart. does that mean Zeth can read? Yeah. Oh. Interesting. I didn't think A about that either. Read. But yeah. And Teravangian knows the Shin language. Which seemed impressive. Very true. Andy wants to kill Dalinar. Yeah. Andy wants to kill Dalinar. Which I was just thinking in the last episode, we were talking about how we felt like Dalinar and Kaladin and all of them were now, quote unquote, free to like do whatever <laughs> they want. And it's like, nope, nope. now there's an assassin after you yeah. with a shard blade. The most yeah. deadly in the world. And you don't have a shard blade anymore. Yeah. Remember that assassin? The guy that killed his brother. Killed brother. Yeah. He's coming back for you. Man. Did you guys have anything else for 71 recording? Do you think he enjoyed being sneaky versus having to cause like a huge ruckus? Oh, that was really funny. Um, when he enters the bathroom, of like there was a guard who just goes, just turns and walks away and just goes, I'm not fucking dealing with that. Yeah, I also loved like the description of that whole scene where he's like sneaking into the palace. There was a cool description of how he like rides this stone he's like standing on this stone and he like slowly rides it down like an elevator yeah like, loved, that loved was really that cool visual. he like lashed his weight to like one eighth and made the stone weightless or yeah. something and it's so a pretty just chunky slowly... stone too. stop <laughs> at least he's not saying meaty um do you guys have anything else uh no i got nothing else nope Okay, so let's move on to chapter 72. Chapter 72. Versatilian. Nailed it. Shalon asks if Jasna thinks Voidbringers will return, admitting that she read her mentor's notes. Shalon wonders why Jasna believes folk tales about Voidbringers, but doesn't believe in the Almighty. Jasna describes that she takes supernatural events and attempts to find the natural meaning behind them. So she believes the Voidbringers had a real-world correlate, and she's assembled some notes to help Shalon reach the same conclusion. Shalon reads the page, then looks up in shock. The evidence points to an unavoidable conclusion. The Voidbringers were the parchment, and they were never destroyed. They were enslaved. Another huge, huge (laughs) twist. This was a crazy moment as well. Like It was a super short chapter, but I feel like the twist here, I mean, we've had so many twists in the past couple chapters, it's almost hard to wrap my mind around. But this one had so much dramatic impact. Like, when you realize what Jocelyn is saying, 
And then they kind of look around and you also as a reader start to realize that the parchment are everywhere. Yeah. Like they yeah. are. Like if this was everywhere. if this was like a, a movie reveal, you know they would be like cutting to them helping with the elevator, cut, cut, cutting to them carrying books for different artists and stuff, always in the background. And it's mm-hmm. such a smart choice too. Like there's I don't know, it's it's so good. The fact that they are ingrained in every part of society. And I feel like up until this point, I always thought that there was something going to be going on there, but I kind of always thought it was going to be in context of like, these are an oppressed people who are being kind of brushed aside and people don't think that they're able to do things. Um, And so they kind of like force them into these positions and maybe there's going to be some kind of uprising or something. And to a point, I think that is what's happening, but also we're attributing them to being evil monsters from the past that destroyed the world. So right, and and there, and some sort of relation to the Parshendi fighting right now in the Shattered Plains. So, like you said, a lot of big, a lot of big connections and plans are happening, right? Th- that we don't know about. But um, well, to me, this is like. The, probably the biggest review of the book because we have even Kaladin in his flashback chapters thinking about void bringers. They're these creatures of myth that humanity fought against for thousands of years over and 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 over again in the desolations. And they are everywhere. It's just like that's a crazy reveal to me because if you think back, and I know you'll, you'll appreciate this, Betsy, the English major in you. Brandon goes out of his way to just mention the Parshman in the background helping and just like, and a Parshman, um, like a, par- a Parshman bellhop carriage challenge things uh, or, oh wow, a Parshman's joining the bridge four. And like, uh, yeah. Just... And I feel like that's why I sort of felt from the beginning that something was going to happen there. Cause I feel like it's not even just that he mentions them in the background, but it's also like, always they're always like oh don't worry about them like they don't actually like think or feel anything like they just do whatever we say Mm -hmm. and it's mentioned so many times that it was sort of like okay like that seems weird so now yeah sorry and Kaladin draws that connection between the Parshman and the Parshendi remember remember about the uh fact that Shen would always refuse to like help Kaladin while they were desecrating the Parshendi bodies, and the Parshendi always avoided their dead bodies and fired on Kaladin for having that. Like they're connected, and he's noticing this more than probably anyone except now Shalon and Yasna. I still kind of feel like there's another twist in there somewhere. Like it would be crazy to me if all these Parshmen are like inherently super evil monsters that want to destroy the world. That's my, that's my trash man theory of this chapter mm-hmm. for ne- for now. It's a huge twist. Massive. A- absolutely. Massive twist. Absolutely. Um, this was a, this is a crazy reveal for sure. Um, and there's more for Shallon and, and Yazan to explore there. Um, but yeah, twist after twist here. This is, this is amazing. Um, and I'm glad to get back to like other parts of this chapter. Um, I'm glad that Shallon asks if 
other soul casting fabrials are real or fake because we get confirmation that they there are real soul casting uh fabrials but yeah it doesn't need that um and then shallon mentions the creatures with the symbol heads and she asks yasna if she sees them too um and yeah what did yasna say she said no but she said she knew what they were Yes, she said, these are a type of spren. They are related to what you do. And she goes, two orders of the Knight's Radiance possesses inherent soul casting abilities. Soul casters are based on their abilities. So with this, we get an even another reveal within this chapter. And it is about Shallan and Yasna, and it is connected to everything else in the book. Yeah, they're like Kaladin. They're like I Kaladin. Think they're like they're Knights Radiance, they right? They are, knight, they are Knights Radiance. Yeah. They are, yep. they are or at least in this, some sort of stage. Um, and it seems that each Radiance abilities are t- like like Yasna said are tied to a specific spren. Oh, so that's Sill for Kaladin. Yes. Yeah, Kaladin, yes. I didn't make that connection the first time so, I read it. So for Kaladin and his whatever Knights Radiant Order he he would belong to back then. They would be with honor spread. It was funny. I also made a note. There was a line that Jocelyn said where she says the Knights Radiant possessed inherent soul casting abilities. And then it says Jocelyn starts to say something but stops. She says, like, I'd assumed that you, but no, obviously that wouldn't make sense. Like, I feel like she's about to say something about that Knights Radiant soul casting connection in relation to mm-hmm. Shalon, but she stops herself. Yeah, so I just like flagged that. Yeah, cause... that's like li- literally Brandon just like looking at you going, wouldn't you like to know? Read the next book. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which is Very pretty true. funny. Yeah, but we finally get the connection between the three of them, Kaladin, Shaladin, Yasna. They're all radiance, and that kind of brings you, it all together. Did you say Shaladin? He said Shaladin. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shallon, Kaladin, and Is that Yasna. Like their ship name or something? <laughs> no, that was a mistake. shipping them, dude. <laughs> I, I, what? No, I don't even know what is shipping. That it's it like means, when you want it, them to be together. It, it's short for relationshiping. It's what uh, it's what okay. fandom. Oh, it's I knew what that. I knew that. It finally connects Kaladin, Shallon, and Yasna Shaladin. because you know the. The three of them have not been connected. Shallon and Yasna's story has been completely yeah, separate. Absolutely separate. And we didn't know like where the connections are coming from. Yeah. Um, and just to backtrack a little bit, like I don't I'm not trying to say that I think the the Prashendi that I feel like expresses not malice towards Dalinar and like trying to form some type of connection. And then also Shen, who at least when I was reading I felt like um, a little bit of like compassion for him. Of course, like a, a little yeah. bit, like a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why I feel like the reveal is so good because it is truly like this evil force is enclosing on our characters. But I'm also feeling a little confused by it. I, I think that's definitely the like the point that Brandon wants you to feel. Right, is that you feel they these 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 group of people are enslaved and they are treated like the lowest of society, and then you get the reveal that they are potentially like incredibly dangerous to people as well. Um, it it's a nice 
conflicting emotion to have right after that reveal yeah well put do you guys have anything else i only have the quote from yasna being of ash and fire we fought with them a hundred battles music when they killed i didn't i remember that quote um but yasna has that quote also which is not only a connection to the Parshman, but a connection to the par- uh, an actual connection to the Parshendi, because she mentions music when they kill. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing that I wrote about is they had how uh, how Yasna Soulcast challenged blood to save her, and they know that there's eight kinds of blood. How do, yeah, they, how do they know about A, A negative, A, B? Oh, like, shit. That, that, yeah. Right? Like, I was like, oh. oh I that, never okay. thought about that. I didn't that. realize that that was what the reference was when she said that. I, I didn't. I thought that that was like some sort of like fantasy magic thing that she was saying. I know. I was like, is it purple blood, blue blood? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, no, like, I like the wine. Like, no, I literally negative. thought that too. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, apparently, essence. essence I, can na- I can never say that word. Essences. Blood is one of them. Right. That's we know. Yes. Um, that's a good point to bring up, Dap. Um, Shallon asks, you said you were bad with like flesh or something. Like you said you were bad with organic material. Organic. How could you do blood so easily? Yeah, as I said, that blood is one of the 10 essences which are like easy to soul cast, basically. Um, in fact, in the back of this book, The Way of Kings, they have a list of the 10 essences of what it, it's like in the, it's, it's like, um, like an appendix, like a like a table. <laughs> Betsy, I just this isn't like a spoiler, Betsy. This right is down at your phone. This isn't like a spoiler. This is like a like a. I just didn't see that. No, 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 you're not supposed to probably till the end. Like, who goes to the back? It, people who read a lot of fantasy books know that they can probably go to the back and find like some sort of like descriptions of things. So when we get to the uh, back of the book, there's like a table that explains it, and there's also explaining the different types of lashings as well um, that you can do. Um, we can do a quick like read of that when we finished like the last uh chapter yeah but should we move into awards let's go it's it's the weekly crummies let's do it i actually have some pretty good ones and we got some from uh listeners too that we're going to read as well but first let's go through our own who would like to go first well i just want to give the man behind the curtain award to Teravangian for that reveal I know that that's kind of a similar one to another one we got, so I wanted to go first with it. I just, I imagined the whole Wizard of Oz thing when, you know, there's like the big face, it's a scary guy ordering Zeth around, but it's just Teravangian, you know, the the kind, feeble old king, but he's really Pulling the strings. Not. Exactly. I don't think it totally fits, but I want it in the, the um, energy of Avatar to give Zeth the Zuko award because that's what I hope for him is that he has a Zuko arc where he becomes where he becomes good and joins the team of the good people that's really sweet and he joins Kaladin and that's what I hope for him um I am going to give I'm going to give the unhygienic award to the man that Seth met in the bathroom because the quote says he nodded to Seth tying up the front of his trousers and wiping his fingers on the sides as he walked to the door. It's gross. <laughs> I didn't read that. I'll give the cursed, haunted, vampire murder hospital ward to Teravangian for running a cursed, haunted, vampire murder <laughs> It's a really specific hospital. category. It's a very, how many nominees were there? <laughs> um, I, I mean, like, I mean, a lot of these are going to go to Teravangian. I have the chair swivel 
Cat on Lap award to Tara Vangian for that classic villain turn as as someone walks in. You know, like you can just imagine him with a cat on his lap going, I've been expecting you. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, so it goes to Tara Vangian for his uh, flair for the dramatic and his clear villainous reveal. Also, now okay. that I think about it, the Zuko award... I feel like you can't really compare mass murder of innocent people to just trying to hunt down the last airbender. What do you mean? What do you mean? But, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> what do you mean? Who knows what happens in the show? Not me. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, I, I did think of one. I, I would like to give the Batman and uh, the Batman and Robin award to Yasna and Shallon. Cause it feels like now it's the two of them against all the void bringers and basically the world. I like that. And so, I like yeah. that a lot. It's the two people from Star Wars, Dapper, who we talked about before. What are their names? Ahsoka. Wait. Ahsoka and... Oh, Ahsoka and... Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, Sabine. Oh, no, no Dapper. Yeah, oh. I was going to get there, Rich. I was going to get there. I don't know, man. I don't know. You should have bought a red lightsaber. You are a Sith. Yeah, Kremlings, I was really close to buying a red lightsaber. They looked very cool at night when we were walking around, but they cost too much money. My next award. Great rundown. <laughs> <laughs> Everything costs too much money. Yeah, for real. Um, okay, I got another one. This one is is the falling in love wasn't the part of the plan award, and that goes to Shallon for coming back to her first true love knowledge. And <laughs> she runs back in and goes, you know, yeah, I was planning to rob you, but I want to be here amongst the books. I want to learn. Uh, and I, I actually have more. I got a chaos is a ladder award. Clearly, Taravangian. Ooh, right, that's for good. For sowing chaos good. throughout <laughs> Roshar, like that's just a classic. We got to give that to him. And Betsy, you have one more. That's all I have. Should we read some of our write-ins? Yes, but I got wait one more. <laughs> I was really on a roll this time. This one goes to the reveal of the parchment, and it's the wait. It's all void bringers. Always has been. i like that one (laughs) to the parchment that's a really good one i love that's my favorite meme to this day yeah um oh yeah so let's uh let's go down and read some of these um that we got in i'll do the so these are not necessarily specifically for these chapters but these are some ones that were sent in via email email us at highly invested podcast gmail.com putting the step in stepdad dalinar for putting his foot through elicar True. That was hilarious. He, he, he does do that. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. And then uh, similar to one that I had, the Kaiser Soze Award, Taravangian for that reveal. Very on the nose. Absolutely. That's that's pretty much the best one for Taravangian for sure. Um, those both came in from Sam. Thank you for sending those in. Um, and then this one came in from Judy. This one I really, really liked. So I, she gave a little bit of back uh, background. She said like, this was about our conversation about Sadius when we were talking about his motives. And she said, Sadius has the imagination to see a way out of a war in a poisonous, stratified society because b- both of those benefit him. Dalinar is beginning to possess the imagination to see a new way for the Alethi to grow, and the risk of that change is a threat to Sadius's power. And with that, she gave us the there are none so blind as those who will not see a ward to Sadius. For an ego so big that he conflates his own self-interest with that of the Alethi. The failure of imagination to see a different way and a cowardice that will never risk his own power to make lasting change. 
That was a great one. She needs to be on the podcast. Hell of a, she, that hell was of incredible. That was sick. That was absolutely sick. Incredible writing, honestly. Yeah. The entire thing. Yeah, that was amazing. And on the nose for Sadeus, he he's a complicated villain, but he's a bad dude. Yeah. And uh, with that, we have our tickets out, and I hope you do as well, Kremlings, because we're going to be headed into the spoiler section. And this is where we will leave our lovely Betsy behind because she has not bought her ticket, and it will not be stamped this day. Keeps getting declined. I, I'm sorry. Credit card has right, been I'll declined. I'll see you guys later. We are headed. <laughs> okay, I, get, I get it. I get it. <laughs> no, wait. There's more. I'm not getting on the bus. <laughs> your loan has been rejected. We are headed into. <laughs> the mortgage you set on your house. <laughs> <laughs> We're headed into the spoiler section. Our conversations will be centered around these specific chapters, but in the context of all of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere series. Stormlight, Mistborn, Warbreaker, Elantris. White Sand, Arcanum Unbounded, Tress of the Emerald Sea, Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, and now Sunlit Man. If you are caught up, stick around. And if you'd like to contact us, as Betsy said, send us an email at highlyinvestedpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at highlyinvestedpodcast. Until next time, Kremlings. back in the spoiler section me and dappert welcome my dude um uh, just reveal after reveal here uh m night Shyamalan special on twist hold Mm -hmm. the avatar movie (laughs) true that just doesn't count but you know it it is it's all coming together it really is all coming together um and betsy betsy obviously made some really great points that we, we can get into so we'll start with chapter 70, Sea of Glass. Only thing I have here is that Yasna says to Shallon, you know, you'll, you'll never steal again. You know, don't lie to me again. We'd never steal again. Shallon's like, yes. From anyone. Shallon's like, oh, yeah, sure. Shallon is going to continue to steal and lie over a and lot. Over again. We are just a thief. Vale is a thief. Literally a thief. <laughs> she, she is going, she has so much to unpack. That killing her father is the least of the things that she needs to focus on. It's the most recent. Like, That's why she like was able to remember it so yeah, well. Like but this, she has her trauma buried. So much deep. trauma, dude. Oh my goodness. Like like so many truths to be revealed later on. Shallon killed her father. Shallon killed her mother. Shallon killed her first spren that she bonded. Shallon has two shard blades. Shallon has two shard blades. Shallon has Shallon has been using Vale since she was a child to protect these memories and hold and, mm-hmm. and using Vale to hold them. Doesn't even realize that she's doing it. Has no clue. I mean, shit. She Shallon killed Yalai. Oh my had god! No idea. Shallan, In book four, well, like Ra- it's Ra- Radiant killed Yalai. All right, let's fair, leave Shallon out of this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just. It just every now and then I see the three of them as the Spider Men meme. Yeah, you know of them pointing at each other because <laughs> like they're all doing it, but they're one person, but they're three. Yeah. Um. Other than that, we get uh, Yasna's commanding uh, or presence and showing how she can command the Sea of Glass in or Sea of Beads in Shades Mar. I feel like I asked you this already, but what oath is Yasna at by this point? 
Uh, yeah, you you have three. you have you have asked me this before. It's not clear. I think that she definitely has a shard blade. I think that she's holding that Agreed. close to the chest, and she's not telling Shalina because she doesn't trust her fully yet. But so uh, so yeah, un- like you said, at least, at least three. <laughs> Fair. Because the third one is yeah, where you get your shard three. blade, right? Mm-hmm. Armor. You get your armor on the fourth. Did she have armor um, when she went into battle? She had book four, yeah. But did she have shard plate? Yeah. She had shard plate in book four? Deadass, absolutely. When she went into battle. But was it her shard plate or was she just wearing shard plate? I'm pretty sure it's her shard plate. I'm, I guess don't quote me. I don't you know about read that Rhythm I, of War I, more recently than me. Yeah, I don't. You just read it's it. It's not in part four. It's on part four. But I don't know. I don't know about that because I feel like the reveal that it came from the different types of spread was big was Kaladin. So she may have been wearing we it, but knew. we don't know that she got it. Yeah, got it I think she was wearing it. Also, maybe not because if she was wearing it, it would react. It would react differently. Like it would be glowing. Right, and there was no. I de- thought it did. There was n- I don't remember any. We can, we can circle back to it, but I don't remember any descriptions of the way it moved for Kaladin. Doesn't seem like it was moving for her. Well, we can we can circle back to it. Don't don't fall down the rabbit hole searching that right now. I'm like on my way. <laughs> did, Fine. Did we'll you, did you have anything we'll else back. for uh, seventy? Uh, no, I'm a stick. Okay. <laughs> uh, chapter seventy one recorded in blood. Um, this was really good for Betsy to make that Dalinar Taravangian connection because it's the same one that Taravangian makes to Dalinar. Yep. That was very, very insightful of her to make that connection. Um, she so had early. like two Trashman theories right in this chapter. Right. The other one was that Zeth and Kaladin will like be friends. And he does have eventually. a Zuko redemption, I, I guess, kind of. He does. Uh, and she kind of put together that the Oath Stone is not magical. Right. Which we I, did talk about. But I kinda like earlier. led her to that. You know, I brought it up. I brought it up. Yeah, a it's times. important to know yeah. that. I, I brought it up again and I was like, what do you think this is? Do you think this is magical or honor? Which is it it it, it, it it makes more sense if it's magical, to be honest with you. It does. Oh because yeah. absolutely right now from what we understand it's not, which is just so, like, dude, why are you so bound to this? Like why are the shin like this? I know I've said that. Why before. are the shin like this? Okay, so I did have a not not at the moment where Betsy called me out, but I I don't know if you noticed where I like looked up and was freaking out, which was during when it was when I was saying something. We were, yeah, you were connecting that the farmers are the highest of the high, and the soldiers are the lowest of the low. Yeah, what do farmers do, Rich? They create. You may have they connected cultivate. this already. They cultivate. They cultivate. Ah, I see what you're getting at. Yes, they the shin are our cultivation people. people. Yeah. I like that. Holy, holy shit! I'm like, wait, wait, what does that mean? I'm like, <laughs> I feel like the guy. I feel like Charlie Day, just connecting all the dots and like stuff no, into the no, mail for theory. Sure. There's definitely a, a, a connection there to cultivation. And honor is the rest of humanity, and they like to fight, and they and they put men all the way up who fight. They're the ah, just oh god. Yeah, but I, it's just still weird. I know that they're lowest of the low fight, but to to give him a shard blade and set him onto the world. I get that it's the biggest punishment for Seth and his culture, but not everybody sees it that way. So we know why this happened to Seth. Only that he said the Radiants are coming back. Odium, our old god, is coming back. And they nope, you're truthless. You're telling a lie. You got to leave. 
Here's a sharp there blade. There has to be more uh, to it. There has to be more to it. Well, there, like, there definitely no, is going to be. you're lying. Here's an ultimate killing weapon. <laughs> go, go away. Is But that's cultivation, man. She yeah. is cultivating this chaos out there. She's the one who makes sure that Zeth ends up in Teravangian's hand, who she obviously cultivated with the whole emotion and the brain, the brilliance thing. And if she hadn't made, I bet you she's the one who sent it to Zeth. The, the the vision that the radiance and all that's coming back. Very I bet you. We should get some more of that uh, in Storm Life 5, hopefully. Oh, no doubt. I think Cultivation, we have an entire shard who has only played two major parts. So three, Teravangian, Dalinar, and Lyft. The three of them have are the only major parts of Cultivation in this entire series so far. She's a shard. Like, there's, there's going to be a lot more. For sure. There's going to be. There has to be. I, yeah, I will say you got to go back and eventually read that that passage in Rhythm of War where she's talking to Teravangian. It's so sick, like just to have her speak for the first time. Um, another thing I, I just to point out is that like this really emphasizes how much Seth wants to kill Teravangian in Rhythm of War, right? Yeah, he really wants to kill him. I, I know it's actually really good that you point that out because I didn't write it down, but. That was such a moment in this reread through that that stood out to me. Why I've always wondered, I guess, in the last maybe three years, because it's been a long time since I've read Way of Kings, why Seth hated Teravangian. It's clear. Such a it passion. Clear. It's, it's clear. It's, very it's clear. clear. Yeah. <laughs> he has every right. <laughs> yeah. Like, he despises Teravangian. And, and whenever he sees him, he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're planning. Yeah, Teravangian's all feeble, old, and emotional, but... Seth is like, no, fuck you. I know what you are, and I'm <laughs> going like, to kill yo, you. You, you in particular, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> so it really just emphasizes like how much he hates him and why he kills him in Rhythm of War, unleashing mm-hmm. a stronger terror on all of Roshar unknowingly. <sighs> our, our boy Seth. But yeah, great point. She's the bad great point man. for She's Betsy making bad. that connection to Teravangian. She made a lot. She made a lot. It was impressive. Those are the first trash band theories that were like actually pretty much on the yeah, nose for sure. Um, so chapter 72, Versitalian, Yaza brings up the orders of the Knights Radiant. Um, we know that, you know, Shallon is, is a part of the Lightweaver one. That's why she says that, you know, she's, she thought that, uh, Shallon would be one of her. Yeah. An else caller. An else caller. Right. But she is in fact a Lightweaver. And I'm glad that she didn't like call it out right then and there. Cause we don't even know yet what Kaladin is. And so it would have felt, I think a little bit weird if we got two of them, but not three. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I was happy that she didn't say it. And it hit the nail on the head in the non-spoiler. That was Brandon. Hey, guys, you got to read the next book. <laughs> yeah, and when that. I first read this, like I really didn't know that it was about Night's Radiance. I, you know, I know they kept mentioning it, but I didn't know that that was, was what connected like, everything together. Radiant? We barely know, except yeah. that they betrayed people. Like I didn't put together but, but that Kaladin didn't. was a Night's Radiant. I know I might have been skimming, <laughs> but I just didn't put it together that Kaladin, Shallon, Yasna were all that. I think it really hit, hit me in book two. Um, but w- was there any other points for uh, 72 versus Italian? Well, yeah, there's one pretty major point. The Voidbringers are not the Parchman. Oh, yes. Um, humanity yeah, it's like, are the void well, another point that betsy uh picked up on also which is, like I, I even helped like guided her a little bit which is like you know these yeah these guys they don't seem violent they're enslaved and they're, they're struggling and they're the lowest of society and the others are just fighting for their lives and seem like you like 
humans. They have human and have honor. And have honor. Remember how much honor they treated with Kaladin with? And she connected the uh, the, she connected Eshenai to being like, oh wow, it's it's Dalinar. And then Shen, who's like a real human, basically, and his emotions and his reactions. It's a weird way to put a real human, but you know what I mean. And I I really really loved actually that she brought this up, and specifically because I think it's one of the most interesting parts of the entire Stormlight Archive that the two races, the humans and the Parshendi are really the innocents if you if you look at it from a very broad view in all of this because this is just odium fighting honor and kind of cultivation but these guys get just completely trapped in between and they get used as pawns to Constantly. fight all i all, dude, all i want again. is for them to just be free and be away of all this violence they just want to to sing their songs and remember their songs from the past and be listeners and singers. Yeah. They just want peace. God, think about Rabonia letting her daughter go. They, they, yeah, they're fighting this endless war for their God. They just want the war to be over. Hate. Yeah, it, it, it truly is terrible what, what the Parshendi and, the, and the, what the singers and what the listeners go through. Yeah. It's really fucking terrible. Yeah, it is. And I'm really glad she brought that up because I do think that's one of the most interesting parts of all of it. I really do. That there, There's no winners and there's no losers here. It's just endless war for no reason. Yeah. And just crazy that like this re- this this twist is not even true. And we, yeah. and we get the other reveal in Oathbringer. Yeah, yeah. Towards, I think, middle end, right before the Battle of the Thalen Fields, but after Kolinar, I think. And it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, but but uh, crazy twists happening here, and I love how uh, highly invested Betsy Betsy's getting. Well, Betsy's highly. When do you, when in you this. think that when <laughs> yeah. you think Bets will put together why the podcast is named Highly Invested? I think maybe in Warbreaker, breaths are very clearly investiture. They, you but, invest but do they call breath. it that? Probably not. Yeah, I think that the the only the first time that Betsy is going to pick up on it is going to be in Oathbringer. I think that when they visit Shadesmar, Kaladin shows abilities and the lighthouse keeper says, You're invested. Yeah. Or something like that. Uh, it might come something up it might like come that. up later but or, or before that, but that's the only time I remember it. Bring up. But eventually, Betsy will pick up that word specifically, and I'd be very surprised if she doesn't immediately call it out when that word comes. For sure, for sure. Just you're right. She has no idea why we named this podcast "Highly Invested." No idea, and it won't come for a while. Like, <laughs> like he, I never really put that together. It's an excellent pun. It's just that she doesn't it know. It's a great pun. She just doesn't know. Which is really funny. Betsy doesn't know. Yeah. Um, well, that, that was all the points I had for, for this one. Me too. All right. Well, Kremlings, thank you for joining us in the spoiler section as always. Um, and to those who probably shouldn't be here, we welcome you anyway, but go read the books. It's go read the books. Go listen to the audio books. We don't want to spoil this stuff for you. And then come stamp your ticket and get into the spoiler section. As always, uh, contact us at highlyinvestedpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at highlyinvestedpodcast. Until next time, Kremlings.
he's in sales, so I think it's like really chunky sale. <laughs> like, got a, they wrote a really it's chunky really ticket. Cheap. They dropped a chunky ticket oh. for that fund. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just have an image of somebody going up to Richie go, wow, it's a real chunky Wednesday. And Richie goes, what? <laughs> oh, God. Where's the Betsy? I think I'm 72. <clears throat> it's me. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Oh, God, this is going to be so good. Cut that out. Cut that out. <clears throat> no, I will. Um, ah, this is going to be so good. Keep uh, it in. What? <laughs> um actually can i pee first because i'm like really excited to talk about this and i don't and i know it's gonna be a long one <laughs> yeah go go pee all right love you guys i'm back and i'm richie as ever bitches <clears throat> i'm sorry we were just talking about how jesus died for our sins that's kind of true actually <laughs> i'm sorry what <laughs> What? Do not put that in the podcast. <laughs> Do not put that conversation out of Dapper and I just had in the podcast. Like literally what? You'll hear it when you listen back. Don't put it in. Okay. Okay. Sure. Wait, Betsy, that was the hardest I've laughed since the trip. I can't wait to Thanks. listen to whatever the fuck you guys were talking about.